wait a second. Wait for it. Sorry. Okay. Hello, welcome to TGE, the podcast. Today we're going to cover a classic, The Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. I'm not sure if I pronounced this correctly, but that's what we're talking about. I'm here with Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Good, Sven. How are you doing this fine evening, mere hours before the episode is released? Doing good. I mean, it's basically life and not a lot of time to cut this before it's going to go out. <laughs> It might oh, not go out on time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the thing, we always deliver here on the This Guy at His Podcast. But the thing about it being so close is we get to discuss current events. Like, for example, the trades haven't even picked this up yet, to my knowledge, but Sven just told me some sad news. Yes, I just saw on the feed that uh, by the American Cinema Editors that the ACE member Norman Holland passed away. He's a. Uh, very well-known editor. He's really somebody in the community that does a lot of giving and sharing and teaching. He's um, leading the program at USC, the editing department over there. I've seen him, I think, like two or three months ago the last time when he was hosting a panel with the two editors from Searching, who you might know from my channel, uh, Will and mm -hmm. Nick, who were cutting searching, he invited them to come over, speak on a panel, and he was actually their teacher when they were at USC. Yeah. And yeah, he was an amazing, amazing person. It's very sad to hear. Yeah, I learned about him through an ACE event where, you know, he was he was part of a panel. Well, we've talked about it before. We talked about his his writing before on this podcast. And like Sven said, he's an incredibly influential, inspirational guy. I got to have a brief chat with him very young. So this is very sad to hear. But he will be missed. And as more becomes available, we will be talking about it more Yeah, as the week goes on. Yeah. And at, of I, course, I was going to say, um, I spoke to him at the Edit Fest a couple of months ago. And we were talking about actually the channel, This Guy Edits. And um, he was quite, quite fond of it. And I suggested that maybe we should do an episode on USC and he could give me a tour of specifically the editing department. They don't really have a full on program like at AFI, but all the students mm -hmm. go through editing and they can pick it as sort of their, I don't know if it's called a major over there. And so yeah, we, I kind of had an open invitation for him and I was going to do it once things settle down a little bit. So I'm sad about that as well which especially given the recent academy award win of usc alumni john ottman you know for bohemian rhapsody the rightful victory you know i'm sure that was a feather in the cap if that was a student of his yeah yeah um so i doubt the moment considering all the cool people he's met and interacted with and wanted to talk to i doubt the first thing that he's doing uh, crossing through the pearly gates is listening to the This Guy Edits podcast, but <laughs> with all the filmmakers he could hunt down and listen to, but if he is, you you are missed and your contribution is felt. Absolutely. And if you like listening to this podcast, subscribe <laughs> on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and tell a friend about it. Nice. If we had a sponsor right now, this is when we would probably do the sponsorship plug as well. 
But instead, we'll we'll do uh, another plug, which is just to talk. A, I just want to talk a little bit more about Bohemian Rhapsody, Sven, because we had a funny conversation about it the other night. Sven was kind enough to come and speak to my uh, class at UCLA Extensions, and that was a fun evening. A lot of great insights and inspiration. Was I believe. Uh, and then we talked about afterwards about Bohemian Rhapsody, whether it was worth it to do a video or not. And then Sven posted his most recent Whiplash video. There were some cries and screams for a Bohemian Rhapsody video in that, in the comments, I felt like. And it was just kind of talking about whether the time had passed or not. Apparently it hasn't because recently it's been, it's been shown this week, and IndieWire and a few other places have picked stuff up, that Bohemian Rhapsody videos are indeed and can be very popular, just talking about the editing especially if they're talking about the editing ass backwards. And it's still funny to me because there's been a lot of controversy about this. We did a whole episode about Bohemian Rhapsody a couple weeks ago. But it's weird on a couple fronts. One, if you're watching anything about editing and the person attributes attributes the editing of God, The Godfather to Walter Murch, maybe that isn't a valid source of information just based on that. Right. That quote, right? Because Walter Murch did not edit The Godfather. He yep. did sound on it. Um, so just know that. And also, when people start counting edits, like I've seen this in all the Bohemian Rhapsody criticisms, that somehow, that like, that's such a subjective thing, the amount of edits, is whenever has editing been discussed in terms of the amount or number of them? I don't know if you've ever even gotten a note that they called on that or anything like that, Sven. And I would be interested to challenge someone, especially listening to this podcast, I would like to find... Just, just find any scene from any big action movie, any big superhero movie, and count the edits in it. And start, if you want to do a number comparison, do that. Because I think that you're going to find that scenes like the one Bohemian Rhapsody that gets so much across so quickly, mm -hmm. and you don't notice it watching the movie, that's actually more of a sign of incredibly effective experience editing than anything. Yeah, I mean, we looked at that scene. I think we need a little bit more context here. So we're talking about the scene in the cafe outside where there's a bunch of cuts, and by now you might have seen it as well, where a lot of people are complaining that it's so cutty and so, like, unmotivated that it's really, uh, it just hurts you watching it. And this guy, whoever cut this, I mean, it happens to be John Artman, who's a genius editor who've done... Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, Usual Suspects and many other Brian Singer movies. Um, that that's not Oscar-worthy editing. That's the premise. That's what people are saying. <laughs> that are maybe just sort of um, armchair. What do you say there? Quarterback coaches or something? Well, that's what the tweet said. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we looked at the scene. I don't think we were really that harsh on it. I think there are some, some issues with that scene, but we also sort of were able to figure out why the scene was cut the way it is and what it's actually doing, what it's trying to do, what it's trying to accomplish. And so that's the, that's the situation. So somebody made a video about it. It's got a ton of uh, views. It was trending on the YouTube um, homepage for a while. And it's sort of really taking the piss out of that scene and questioning why John Ardman deserves to have an Oscar. I think we clearly are on the other side of that argument. And um, we think that, I, I mean, I personally think that movie has so much great editing in there, sp specifically the Live Aid thing, that that alone, I mean, just seeing the last 20 minutes of the film is worth the price of admission for me personally. 
Having said that,、right. I mean he makes a very valid argument in the video essay. He's like actually recutting the scene、Does、and he? he's taking out some things. But we don't really know why the scene is cut the way it is. We would like to know. To I'm, I can assume that there are some reasons, and I've read some of the comments where people seem to know what the reason is,、um, but I, I have no confirmation about that. Well, I don't. I mean, since we are getting specific and talking about, it, I don't know that it is a compelling argument because it it dismantles itself just in the mere statement of the three things that make the thing bad, because one of them is spatial issues, and it has none, as we know.、True. Two is the pacing's off. It's like that's subjective. What's that based on? And I forget what the first one is, but it, it was pretty ridiculous. And so we're literally doing the opposite of what. I mean, the height of ridiculousness is when you are. You can look at any scene and take it apart. And when you start looking exactly at matching and stuff, you're not understanding the job of the editor. And to, to make a scene that works and gets the point across and moves on, you don't know what you're dealing with. What the aesthetic of it is, or you know, what choices you have to make, what's being accomplished. So it's just kind of、uh, silly to to start dissecting scenes in that way. Is almost nonsensical because every and any and every scene can fall apart once you do that. Right. Fair. Anyways, that's a good podcast. If you enjoyed what you're hearing, <laughs>、uh, I can. Oh, talk but about so on、that. behalf of the fans, Sven, when is your YouTube video going to happen? When will you? When will this guy rise with the definitive Bohemian Rhapsody video? Oh,、um, I don't know. I feel like I'm over Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if I need to <laughs> make another video about it or have Dennis be on that.、I'm、like I've moved on. I'm working <laughs> on other projects. We just finished one that's Whiplash, which I actually did with another、mm-hmm. editor together, Aaron, and that's doing really good. I'm really happy with that. And we kind of had a whole whiplash week because we combined it with the podcast, and so you have all the different ways how you can get into that movie and really enjoy、um, the editing of that one that also won an Oscar. And、um, I actually, you know, after the fact, after we had the podcast and I was like doing some tweaks on the video. I watched the entire scene one more time, the "Not My Tempo" scene, and the beginning is almost the best part of the whole scene. Like just the the energy of when、uh, J.K. walks into the room, and then the quick cuts of like the different note sheets and the instruments are getting ready, and like the trumpets go up into the air and the drum gets ready. It's just that flurry of editing, and then everything stops, and it's quiet, and there's like ten seconds of nothing. Everybody's ready to go. That is amazing editing. Like the pacing is just riveting, and so I'm glad to sort of really take a closer look at that. And that's when, like, I decided to put that at the beginning of the video, just that that opening of that, and not even say anything about the editing. Just let it be by itself, and then I cut directly, basically, to the Oscar speech. Um, after that, and you can see just seeing those two things together, you can see why why that movie is amazing when it comes to editing. Very cool. So check out his YouTube channel.、Um, and what now are we going to be discussing today, Sven? Maybe I should set this up. There's something that's come up a few times, especially in the last week or so, is the concept of screen direction and the concept of the line, which is good because we are planning. Because today we're doing an episode on just that, with a discussion of Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai.、Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's a lot that's been said about this movie, a lot of analyses have been done. There's tons and tons and tons of content on this film. It's a great film. It's an influential film. It's an important film. But I thought it'd be good to just focus in on one one specific aspect of it, which is when dealing in this format, which is black and white, uh, four by three aspect ratio, which is interesting too. In a big battle scene that's taking place all over this village where there's so much going on, characters dressed literally in each other's costumes, because there's a guy that's dressed who's stolen the costume of the bandits at this point. How do you how does the audience know what's happening and how do you position your camera from one moment to the next? And this is a thing that you look at from an executioner's point of view. From a filmmaker's point of view, same way you should probably look at the bohemian rhapsody scene of okay what are we getting across and how do they figure out how to do this because it's nothing you're ever going to appreciate while watching the film you're not going to be aware of it you're not going to notice it but it is uh, incredibly well done in terms of the way it's set up to be able to have the audience know what's happening from one moment to the next and the screen direction which we'll talk about is a big part of that yes true when was the first time you saw it um, years and years and years ago, it was like a film school, a pre-film school movie. I think it was in high school. Like they still had, still, you could go to video stores then and kind of find interesting stuff and seek it out and watch it. So I found it in that. I didn't have an algorithm kind of choking me with like shit that I don't want to watch. Yeah, but felt like I had to, so I could find interesting things. Yep, similar to for me, I the weeks before I came over to America to go to AFI. I had a bunch of VHS copies of all different films that they made us watch. I got this letter where they said, okay, here are, and it was like 50 movies. And the letter was very clear in saying, if you're a student at AFI, don't show up and have not seen (laughs) those 50 films because we're going to just assume that you are familiar with those classics so that you can start and on your journey of becoming a filmmaker yourself. So I did. I've spent many, many days watching all kinds of films, and this one was part of it. And this is a a three-and-a-half-hour movie in Japanese, in black and white, with subtitles. And I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be torture to watch. And it took (laughs) about 20 minutes, and I was in it. And it didn't... I mean, it still feels like three-and-a-half hours, but it's like you're you're looking forward to what's going on. And so it was a great, great experience to see it the first time. And then really I haven't seen it for 20 years or so, and now I saw it last week, and we had had the same experience again. It's a great film to see. If you haven't, you should check it out. If you have seen it before and it's been years, you should check it out again. Yeah, and you can see the influence of it. It's really incredible. And it's a kind of movie film you expect. You, you wonder why it isn't, you know, like a wide aspect movie. But that technology didn't really exist at the time it was made and wasn't widely used. Yeah. Yet it just has that incredibly epic feel that he was helping to create and define that really launched, you know, Japanese filmmaking onto the world stage at that time. Yeah. I mean, the movie is, what, 65 years old? Mm-hmm. Definitely feel that. So Seven Samurai is a 1954 Japanese epic samurai drama film co-written, edited, and directed by Akira Kurosawa. The story takes place in 1586 during the Sengoku period of Japanese history. It follows the story of a village of farmers that hire seven ronin, 
masterless samurai to combat bandits who will return after the har harvest to steal their crops. It's consistently ranked highly in the critics list. It has the perfect 100% score on Rotten Tomato. It was voted the greatest foreign language film in 2018 by the BBC International Critics Poll. And it has remained highly influential, often seen as one of the most remade, reworked, referenced film in cinema. And if you've seen, um, what is it, The Magnificent Seven, the recent one, or the original one, they're basically carbon copies of that film. Yeah, they're, they're stated remakes, as, as many Kurosawa films are. Yeah. Or have been. Cool beans. Very cool. I didn't know he edited so, it, so that's, that's cool to see. That he was the editor on it. Yeah, incredibly talented. I mean, and again, one of those people that's kind of like helping shape the industry and, and define what can be done in it, you know, while being an incredibly compelling filmmaker. So it's very cool. Nice. So which scene did you pick? So this one, just to serve that purpose of starting to talk about the line and how screen direction works is a, a chunk of that big famous final battle. And it's when they've kind of sectioned off the different parts of the town, all the geography is taking place in terms of who is where, and they're just waiting for the bandits to rush in so they can pull off this plan where they seal things and, you know, seal them in and, and, and pick them off and, uh, battle them just to quickly explain the concept of screen directions. Again, it's, it's weird how, you know, the degree to which <laughs> people don't, quite get this which is fine so it's like a fundamental thing but it's very important and now it's so easy to throw it out the window because we talk about you can break the line and change the rules and compress things but not if some freak on youtube finds it and decides to point out the things you've done to kind of push it <laughs> push the medium and challenge it to enhance the experience uh, the line is the line is defined in the setting of your scene and it should be evident in every shot there should be a line that once the camera crosses that place in the 3d space of the scene your characters and objects now begin facing the other direction so that doesn't mean a character can't turn around and look over their shoulder but the general sense of which direction characters are facing and moving that's the idea of screen direction and this is a cool scene to look at in regards to that because you get a really clear sense of what the screen direction is and that's the only reason that you you don't lose the audience with literally every cut once the battle begins and then it it's becomes interesting because it kind of gets a little muddled in the middle and i was a little confused by it so i think this will be fun for us to kind of look at and and unravel nice and just we could set it up, but the bandits are racing into the town, and <laughs> I totally go like I watch a YouTube video on how to say Toshiro Mifune's name. Mm -hmm. I'm just pronouncing syllables with a guess because I guarantee you I'm saying it totally wrong. But he's dressed as a bandit as well, so that adds a little complexity to it. Cool. So this is like the final battle. They've at this point mm -hmm. there were I think a total of forty bandits, and over the course of the three and a half hours, or like the last two hours the samurais were able to kill off pretty much most of them. I think at this point, they're pretty much even. They've lost one samurai, I believe, so it's six against seven or so. And so mm -hmm. they decided as their final ploy, they're just going to let them all into the village. They have all these barricades built around, and their strategy up to this point was to just let in like one or two of them, and then they were going to try and figure out how to kill them off. And here they decided we need to just get them all in and we need to just fight it out. 
and um, this is the moment where the bandits sort of storm into the village. Yeah, and it's a very complex scene because there's a lot. You have obviously seven main characters. You have the villagers, so there's a lot going on, and then so you're having to 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 tell the story and the emotional arc kind of of each character and track all that, but also just not lose the audience, which is a great technical execution here, mm-hmm. which is good to look at. Cool. So what we'll do is we'll watch the scene. We'll leave a link in the video description, sorry, in the podcast description, and you can <laughs> click and watch along. We'll go through it one time to explain what's the action and describe it to you, and then we'll go back and look at some of the editing and the screen direction. So, so Tyler, you're doing the description. Okay. I, I, and again, I'm not familiar with all the characters' names and actors' names and everything, so we'll... We'll ride through this, and it's going to be a lot of chat because there's not a lot of sound-ups. Um, okay, so in three, two, one, click. All right, so we have the, 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 the sort of leader of this of the samurai watching, and everyone's facing left to right, and now we see the bandits riding up right to left. And look at how we're using so many wide shots here. That's another reason. This becomes so important because we're not getting really tight to get that specific information of who's who. Here we have Mifune running around. We have the swords he set up. And so this is inside the village. This right. is this is right near the entrance where they're coming in from the other side. So there's all this stuff going on. And their bandits are constantly moving right to left, right to left. This is where I would say the line is in this scene. Mm-hmm. And now you see how you can pan over and... Um, you can actually be on the line at different places in the scene, which is another whole complicated, tricky thing we'll, we'll talk about. This is sort of staring right down the line, and boom, he's moving right to left. He's dressed like a bandit, so we have no question who he is. So the bandits arrived in the center of the village, and now mm-hmm. the battle begins. Yes. And so, and notice that, except for this is the bit where it became a little tricky, where I think we do break the line... Um, everything is going left to right from our heroes. Right, which would make sense because they sort of arrived and now it's like a confusing battle. And they actually go back and forth, the bandits, because they're kind of stuck. Uh They can't go through. Well, also, yeah, they can't go through, but it also reestablishes this right to left dynamic. Like they get stuck and have to come back. So we're kind of have returned to that original situation. Right to left, they turn, they go left to right. And well, they're the, moving left, right, but we understand that, you know, they've turned in it. Yeah. And the sort of head samurai. Is it the head samurai who has the bow? And he's killing off some of them. He did for a them. moment, yeah. 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 And at this point, when I was watching it through, I was counting the bandits. I knew exactly how many there were. And I was counting yeah. down to see how many were left by, by mm-hmm. the time that this ends this segment of this main battle and uh, yeah this, and it's this, a s- sorry so i was going to say it so at this at this beginning of this battle it felt really good like they are all like their plan is working what they figured out is to be the best strategy to just finish them off was working and they decimated them like half of whatever people the 13 that were left uh, were killed off in the in the in this minute and a half that we just saw and then things get a little out of hand. Yeah, and 
it's a short clip. It's not really representative of the entire battle, which is like seven minutes or something like that. Yeah. But it really does just focus in on the part that I did want to focus on, which is that idea of the tricky part of getting them into the town, having a guy that's dressed exactly like the villains, but understanding he's him. All done with screen direction. And I really wanted to kind of zero in just to clarify that concept I was talking about how the line you can be on the line in different places so when you draw a line through this through the screen how do how do how do i explain this you can actually be facing at that exact degree but not be down in the middle of the 3d space if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so for example this moment here at 37 seconds we're we're facing right down the line Right. And then we pan over, whereas the camera could also be in the middle of that road they're running down and be, yep. be facing down the line as well. Yeah, it looks like the, the bandits are riding towards the camera at the beginning of the shot, like right into the mm-hmm. lens. And then they make a little turn and go still right to left at this point. Yeah, and there's so much going on in this scene. It's so tempting. It would be so easy to just find like some cool shots where we're on the opposite side of the character. We have that cool framing, cool lighting, but it's just done so so responsibly, and it just makes the scene very very manageable in terms of understanding this battle tactic, as well as the fact that they're all trapped in the middle of the town. Yeah. And then 51, they're on the line again. The bandits are still coming, and then. That would be very confusing when Mifune's running at them, you know, right to left, because he's dressed like one of them. Yeah. But we know he's him, and then and then it gets a little tricky at... Everything's right to left in terms of our heroes. And then at 106 is where it gets a little tricky to me, I feel like. Yeah. Because I don't know... The bandits are circling... So it's this idea of the direction they're moving in the frame yeah. is kind of obsolete, but it's still respected because we understand we understand what the screen direction is, although we're going to see that the characters are moving different directions in it. So, for example, 123 is a perfect example. The bandits yeah. are writing to the right, and they turn their right to the left. That doesn't mean that the screen direction is broken just because the characters have changed direction. Yeah. It's still respected, but it just kind of shows that tricky thing of of how we're establishing the way people are moving. And then we go back and see our heroes moving back the other direction. And then the main guy is very powerful because he's obstinate, standing in the center of it with the bow drawn, kind of yeah. holding them back. And he is so there's shooting so many left cool, to like, right. powerful things in it. Yeah. His, mm-hmm. his yeah. arrows go left to right. So I think, yeah, it's, it might be a little confusing, but I think it makes total sense. Like they go right to left, they arrive in the pit, like the center of the village, mm-hmm. and then it changes for a bit. They arrive at the end of the pit because there's another barricade or something, and then they turn mm-hmm. around, and they go back and forth for a little bit. But our main samurais, they seem to still be left to right, which yeah is interesting to me. I don't know if this makes, if this is just me thinking. I mean, culturally, Western culture, left to right is like the 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 heroic flow of a story like the good one or like going up a hill or these kind of things that movement from left to right always feels like progress like positive things it it implies ease i hear to move left to right because obviously this wasn't a western culture film but it implies ease because it's left to right 
and that's the way we're used to reading. Whereas if you see a character moving right to left, it means they're up against more obstacles. So for example, and again, we're going to talk about war films when we look at uh, Hacksaw Ridge coming yeah. up to compare a modern battle scene to this one. But yeah, it's, you can look at Thin Red Line in the entire film. They're moving right to left. And it's interesting to look at war films that can kind of maintain that concept of a certain movement throughout the entire film yeah. with the screen direction. Thin Red Line, that's an interesting... I never really paid attention to that, but that would totally make sense for the film, right? Because it's this... Yeah, they're going... It's like this message is that this battle is not good. It's like the survival is what's so horrible. Yeah. And yes, and then just specifically about this one. Yeah, it's really cool. It's just a very cool scene to look at because it's very complex and the direction characters are going to be moving changes, but the screen direction does not. And there's just so many ways to kind of play with, yeah. you know, the power of the screen direction within it. Like, you know, the bow moment again, for example. Yeah. And what I almost kind of letting it lose control and get crazy, I think is good. That bit that I was like a little confused by at 30, um, not at 37, at like 107. I don't think that that's, bad per se that i'm a little bit like wait what's the screen direction what's happening because i think that's kind of effective in that scene and that's where and that's the one weird thing where we see him at 108 running back to get the swords when he gets up that's actually on the line but it's facing the other direction like he throws the broken sword at them and runs back to get the swords from his pile which is like a great landmark for the filmmaker yeah for the geography of the scene so what I also really like about this scene is that I can clearly follow every kill. Like somebody mm-hmm. hits with a sword, it cuts to a body flying off a horse. When somebody is right. um, shooting an arrow, it cuts to a person being hit. So I was able, the first time watching it through, to really keep count on where we are in terms of how many more bandits are left. So that's very, like, you could easily get very confused about how many people are still around, how many people did they actually get. And the scene is cut in a way where it's very clear when uh, an attempted attack was successful or not. Right. It's very cool. And just another example also of, you know, just nowadays it's very easy to get, to just be like, oh, I can have my camera anywhere. I can have it pointing any direction. But kind of having these having that fundamental understanding of what direction things are facing mm-hmm. and then violating that on purpose, although you'd probably get torn apart on YouTube for that nowadays. Um, it, it can make Let your, it, it can make your action. <laughs> it can make your action very, uh, I mean, it just makes your action that much more powerful. And I, we use the example all the time of like James Cameron's really good at following the line, but yeah. you know, in a couple next week, the next episode we're going to look at Hacksaw Ridge, another Academy Award-winning movie for the editing. So I've always been fascinated with how the line is respected so effectively through that whole film, and it's so cool because as a filmmaker getting good at that, you you start to see other filmmakers doing it and realizing how much easier it makes the scene to shoot. It takes the mystery out of it, out of filming it, and what you have to do. And um, on top of having your wonderful compositions, it's like an added added element that you can have that, that makes it easy for the viewers to watch. Mm-hmm. Totally. In a good way. And then you can mess with them, as I feel like this does at 107. It gets confusing, but I think I feel like in a good way. Because that... 
it's almost like really the screen direction alone with what's going on kind of has that feeling of for me of like being lost in the chaos of the battle a little bit and then we get then it then it kind of calms down and reestablishes the line and stuff yeah i agree i think emotionally you you're feeling that confusion and you're worried about this plan that they had because it doesn't sound like that's the best option to do because you might i mean we've seen it before like once they let in more than there was a situation where they had two in and for some reason two others came as well and that's i think mm-hmm. where they lost one of the samurais they had to pay a price for that so here they're they're risking so much and um yeah and so to feel like oh is this actually going to work out for them even though right now in this phase of the battle it feels like it is 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 a nice um reversal of the tension like it's all it's all working out but is it really is what i'm feeling at that moment yeah and it's so it's so simple but so like down and dirty in that we have you know like these real horses doing this real stuff and it just feels very dangerous through the whole thing and again it's all black and white and i know they all you know some of the bad guys are on horses so it's pretty easy to tell them apart but at the same time like these are very wide shots you know it's 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 very easy to get lost in this so it's executed very well especially and then also again it's a movie that doesn't have the angles i think it's the composition within them that's like the real magical part it's not so much like a dynamic camera angle as you would find in in an action film now so it's very kind of simply recorded but then the the painting within the frame is is really powerful and amazing and you know it's like you're worried for these horses are they going to be okay this is crazy and at the end of the day it's just a movie so it's it's done uh and i'm sure it was safe (laughs) right yeah Yeah. i don't know (laughs) but anyhow that's that's all that i think about this and and there's a lot of really great uh interesting stuff you can find to read about kurosawa exploring his work but this is just one little aspect of it very cool very nice thank you so much really interesting film good to see the budget of that film by the way was less or was around a half a million they wrote the script (laughs) in six weeks it was originally six characters and then they sort of felt like we need a seventh one that is kind of an outlier so they this guy that's sort of huh. pretending to be a samurai is not really one. Um, right. And gave gave that actor a lot of creative freedom to just go nuts with that character. And yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing performance. It's nice. I mean, the, it's three and you're spending three and a half hours with these, uh, mainly with these seven characters, and you really get to, like, understand and feel them. Like, each one is a full-fledged character. A couple of other things that people have pointed out before about Seven Samurai. One is, if you're watching the movie for the first time, pay attention to like this magnified reaction of groups of people. So there are a lot of shots where like a whole bunch of village people have like this gasp, or they like they all like rush back or rush forward. There's a bunch of that going on. The other thing you could sort of watch for is that the backgrounds there's a lot of stuff happening in the background lots of moving parts that is um, also a little bit by design um, when it comes to the composition yeah let us know your thoughts your insights about the seven samurai we're excited to hear about them you can make those comments where sven this guy slash comment 
Very cool. And uh, we appreciate you listening. We appreciate you spreading the word. And thank you to Curta for the music. And as Sven always says, happy editing. Your head between the speakers. There's no sane zone, so put your head between the speakers. <laughs> I feel like there's something else I wanted to say, but but I forgot. But my recorder started flashing that is running out of time. How long were or we? Or out of uh, battery. But that was a cool one. <laughs>